2017 saw the rise of the ICO like never before, but with 2018's market crash, many of these projects are having a hard time getting off the ground. So what do you do when your crypto project is struggling, and how do you evaluate which projects have real long-term viability and potential? Today, we welcome back Jason Bitbender Brink to the show to discuss the crypto turnaround. He's been evaluating many projects and has latched on to one struggling project he believes can not only be salvaged, but made great. Put your left foot in, take your left foot out, put your left foot in and shake it all about. Why? Because people are watching you right now and they're going to wonder what's going on with you. Well, this ain't no hokey pokey, but it is episode number 225 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? I want to tell you something, Mr. Joelcom. This is an exciting episode. We're making crypto great again. <laughs> It's going to be huge. You got a lot of nerves showing up here. <laughs> right? Well, it's like I was thinking, like, that's what we're talking about today. We're making crypto projects great again, ones that maybe didn't quite get over the hump, and we're humping them. <laughs> uh, so if you want your project humped, write to badcryptopodcasts at gmail.com. Oh, my gosh. Hey, and it is. Hey. <laughs> the Bad Crypto Podcast, staying true to its name, Joel Com and Travis right here, and we've got a great show ahead for you today. Jason Brink coming back again to talk about the crypto turnaround, to discuss his um, criteria for evaluating crypto projects, which does intersect with the eight T's that we use, but he's got some other perspective, and he found a project that he is helping to resuscitate and it's really cool to see uh that that can happen and it can happen to you too and as always we want to thank our sponsor this week's sponsor this show sponsor is coinpayments.net so they are the crypto payment processing solution they accept bitcoin and literally 1100 different altcoins and so if you're a merchant and you want to accept crypto uh, well, check it out. It's only 0.5% fees for transactions for merchants. And currently they have over 2 million different merchants and users that are using this. There are tons of easy to use plugins and APIs. If you use Shopify or WordPress or a bunch of other different ones they have, uh, there's some ICO services they have. They help with conversions. They also uh, now offer stable coins. And so if you are a merchant and you're accepting crypto, you can easily convert that over to a stable coin. That way you don't have to worry about the volatility. And again, ready to use e-commerce plugins, APIs, integrations. We're talking WooCommerce, OpenCart, Magneto, OS Commerce, Shopify, uh, all kinds of stuff. They have different payment features where you can do airdrops, they have mobile apps where you can accept payments in person, convert those coins anywhere with those mobile apps. They have vaults where you can store those coins in, auto coin conversions, and you can literally pick and choose which coins you want. Maybe you only want to accept EOS or Ethereum or Badcoin. Well, you can't accept Badcoin because it's not on there yet, 
maybe someday, but they also have a multi-coin wallet and they have point of sale stuff. So if you are interested in being a merchant who accepts crypto, go to coinpayments.net. Nice. That was quite a uh, a piece there, Mr. Travis, right? Lots like of information. I did very much. Well done. I really like them, man. You know what? We've we've chatted with them for for a long time, and uh, I'm friends with Christine over there, who is the uh, creative director and community person there. And I just like it's just pretty awesome. Once they once they're able to accept you know stable coins, I'm like, mm-hmm, this is where you can get uh, serious mass adoption because that volatility kills a lot of merchants who might want to accept crypto because they're scared the price might go down. Maybe in 2017, they were like, yeah, except crypto price is going up. But last year, maybe made, made a few people gun shy. So I think if you are a merchant and you want to accept crypto, it's a really, really good solution. I would like to mass adopt crypto. In fact, I'm going to say right now, if any of you have crypto that you feel like needs a good home, a loving home, you can go ahead and send it to me. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take, you know, I'll treat it like it was my very own. That's very nice of you, Mr. Joel Kyle. You're so thoughtful. I try to be. Well, we've got I a great love that day. about you. You are just so caring. When I think of Mr. Joel Kyle, I think of caring, compassionate, empathetic, and just willing to accept other people's crypto and just hold yeah. it for them. It's so good. I am a father to the crypto orphans of the world. And so I will take you in and I will hodl you as though you were my own. <laughs> it just touches me on so many levels. Aww. Hand me a tissue, Tito. <laughs> All right, let's get into the crypto turnaround. We're going to welcome Jason Brink back to the show, and we're going to do it right now. Right, mm-hmm. Here it comes, right now. Crypto going to go to rehab. I say no, no, no. So many ICOs last year, so many crypto projects, and with crypto taking a massive plunge in 2018, a lot of them are really short on funds, and there's some really good projects that are really going to fail because they don't have the money to pull it off. And we've got with us a friend of the show, Mr. Travis Wright, uh, Bitbender, Jason Brink, who's been with us a couple times before. He has been in crypto since around 2014. He won the 2014 Bill and Melinda Gates Global Development Network Prize for a paper he wrote on the use of blockchain tech to solve the problems endemic to foreign aid. And he's been involved in a lot of different projects such as Redcoin, Verge, XP Chain, and others. And uh, we're going to talk today about the crypto turnaround and how to make it happen with Jason Brink. Welcome back, Jason. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Are you back stateside now, or are you? Uh, I, I am not. Still? I am. I am in Bangkok. This is. Uh, I'm just having my first uh, cup of morning coffee here, and you know, getting everything moving. Nice. Well, one morning good. in Bangkok. It, yeah, one one morning. I've been here for almost ten years now, though. So so, I, I have some staying power. Very nice. What's what's the vibe over there uh, for crypto? It's kind of interesting. Uh, something you hear you hear about it a lot, like when I receive my newsletters and things on crypto and on news in Thailand and stuff, they say that, you know, Thailand is super friendly towards crypto and super favorable, but I'm not really seeing it on the ground too much here. There's not a tremendous amount of interest. There's a few decent projects. Uh, this Z mine, uh, massive crypto mining operation, uh, just a little bit North of Bangkok. I was there a week ago and they had uh, the beyond the blocks conference, uh, here about two weeks ago, and that was uh, pretty interesting. 
but uh, there's not a, there's not a tremendous amount of local interest, uh, which is something I'm obviously working on changing. So you know, it's it's very interesting because here we are, 2019 and 2018. Thank God it's over because <laughs> what a crazy right. ride that was, and and there was a lot of great projects that you know were they were rocking and rolling and they raised a lot of money and then the crypto market went down maybe they didn't you know trade out their ethereum or their proceeds for fiat and so their their value of all the money that they raised tanked they no longer have enough money to continue their project and there's a lot of great talent out there that's now looking for new work there's a lot of communities out there that have been stranded you know what what is you know what are what are some of these projects going to do and what are some of the token holders going to do are we just hosed because now all these projects are dead or what unfortunately for a lot of these projects especially when you're looking at the ICO projects themselves a lot of these projects are basically going to be hosed it was a f- basic misunderstanding of how economics works uh that led to these people loading up on Ethereum through their ICO, never taking any of that out and uh, eventually having, you know, the the value of their, you know, 40, 50 million dollar ICO go down to, you know, a couple of Big Macs and some cold French fries. So this is this isn't a, a very unfortunate thing for many of the spe- specifically the token projects. Some of the coin projects, on the other hand, have some opportunities uh, that we could potentially be exploring going forward into the future that would make it possible for these projects to kind of be turned around and rebooted by community efforts. And that's what we want to talk about today. You know, we know that we could go through the list of projects that, you know, either are already failed, are failing now, or are likely going to fail unless Ethereum skyrockets again. And, you know, they've got a boatload of cash that they haven't unloaded yet. But let's focus on You know, how do we use community to take a project that is not under yet, that's endangered, or that the technology could be revived to actually bring about the solution and value that initially intended? Right. You guys, we've talked before about community and how important I see community is as being for the, for, you know, cryptocurrencies and blockchain projects in general. Uh, none of these projects are anything without the communities, without the supporters that have come together uh, to come out of the woodwork sometimes to support them and and make sure that they grow and to tell their friends about them and things like that. As we're in a what is still functionally a nascent industry, it's just beginning to grow. Uh, these communities are absolutely critical. And so when it comes to looking at these blockchain projects and finding the communities that are still thriving, even though the projects themselves are uh, sort of circling the drain, uh, it's important to look at you know factors such as the size and activity within the Telegram community, how much of it is composed of real people that are talking about real things versus bots, what sort of people are interacting on Twitter and in other social media areas. You know, Again, is it real people or is it just bots reposting crap over and over and over again? How many I want to call them super fans, you know, the sort the sort of people that are just absolutely die hard for a project. How many of those do you have around that are uh, promoting and still talking about it, even though the project itself is sort of struggling? How many of those people do you have? These are all important factors that can come together to create a strong community that is a good sign that a project could potentially be 
able to be recovered at some point in time in the future. You know, we've had a conversation about this and and you were talking about your uh, you got a good friend of yours wit yeah. and you guys were literally looking at 500 projects in depth <laughs> and you guys were looking to see which ones maybe you could do some crypto rehab on and you right. guys settled right. on the black cock coin. No, no, we did not. We did very, very. One, one never wants to settle upon a black cock coin. Um, was that a real coin? I know we chatted that, about that. No, is that, that, is real- that is absolutely a real coin. So basically what we did is we went back to the Bitcoin talk announcement pages. We went all the way back to like mm-hmm. 2013, 2014. Dozens and dozens and dozens of pages, each of them with dozens of posts. I think it's like 50 posts per page um, that are announcements for new cryptocurrency projects that are coming out. And we sat there. We spent weeks sitting in a restaurant here in Bangkok, just scrolling through this page after page after page. And you guys would not believe the crap that people launched as coins at one point in time. Black Cock Coin was one of them. Um, and, the, and and that's not even the worst. I mean, there's like so much awful crap out there. And some of it is still uh, listed on exchanges, still traded. So, you know, it, it's, it blows my mind that some of these things even exist. And most of these old projects are terrible projects. They're horrendously coded. They don't have any community. They don't have any support. And yet they're still there. Um, If you go into uh, exchanges like Yobit, uh, which handles, um, which I I don't like at all. But anyway, that's a whole different story. Handles uh, a lot of these like super, super, super ultra mega coins you will see that some of these are still sitting there being traded back and forth at, you know, one or two Satoshis um, by bots. All Did you long. just reference a USMCSC? What'd you say? USMCSC? An ultra super mega sh- coin. Is that what you called it? <laughs> I, think I, I think I actually did. Yes. Nice. Nice. Those, yes, are, my, those are my favorite ones. I like those. Some of them can be fun. Some of them can be fun. Is but, that financial yeah. advice? Should I invest in all my money in those? No, you should not. That is not financial advice. You do whatever you want with your money. Um, but that's not what I'm doing with my money. Um, so, so it's 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 very interesting though when you go back and look at these sorts of things uh, to see sort of the trajectory of. I want to say the ecosystem development kind of as, you know, of crypto as a whole and how it's uh, matured over the years and how it's gone. You know, we we go back and we look at 2017, 2018 and, you know, the rise of the ICO, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, people were doing ICOs for everything. And of those ICOs, I I read a a paper recently saying something like 90% of ICOs they the the person who wrote the paper would would classify as scams. Now, I don't think that all of the big gigantic ICOs were scams, but there were certainly hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little tiny ICOs with, you know, no oversight, no supervision, you know, just here, here's a thing, I want to build this thing, now give me money and then whether or not that thing was actually built is, you know, sort of in the wind, right? But if you go back to these early days in crypto, you have all of these little coin projects or a fork of a fork of a fork and, you know, they'll come together, they'll, you know, change a couple of variables, they'll launch it, it'll be a proof of work or proof of stake or whatever. And then, you know, they'll try to build a little community around it. And that's sort of how things went back then. And then that was very immature, very uh, unrefined 
if you will. The ICOs kind of attempted to change that. And now we're seeing sort of a retracement back to the earlier ethos of crypto, where it's like coin is better ICO token project, not as good in many cases. Let's take a look then, you know, because when we encourage people to do their own due diligence, you know, when we do a crypto spotlight, we have our T's, right? Timeline, um, tech, team, tribe, tokenomics. Uh, what am I leaving out, Travis? Mm -hmm. T for Travis. And you have your own traction. traction right? cetera, you have your own criteria. Some of them are duplicate. But why don't you talk a little bit about how you go about researching a crypto project, a, you know, some of the best practices, and then maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the companies that you think are doing it right. Sure, absolutely. So this is what uh, Wit, who goes by Bloody You online, uh, if you see him in the, the in various discords and groups and whatnot that I'm in, we have our what we call our rubric. Okay, it's our rubric of of the different factors that are absolutely critical to look at when you begin analyzing a uh, coin project. The first of these, and this is, I want to say the most important, uh, because if you if you don't have this, you don't have anything at all, um, and that is community. And looking at, at the community, I just covered some of the basics of that a few minutes ago, but the you know strength, size, distribution, activity, whether or not people are talking about interesting things, or whether it's just a bunch of bots, you know, these are all super, super important things. Uh, the next critical thing that is overlooked by so many people, and I don't understand how uh, no, nobody seems to notice this, is distribution. Okay, when you look at the coin and you look at the rich list okay, of that particular project, where are those coins sitting? If you have 30, 40% of the coins sitting in one wallet, you have a serious problem, especially if you're coming in and looking at potentially rebooting a project, because that means that you're fighting this massive uphill battle against whoever is holding uh, all of those coins, because they can just sit there and take advantage of your work while dumping on the market and keeping prices depressed, uh, which is something that I have seen and experienced. It's very frustrating. And on, on that distribution, you know, all of these block explorers are out there. I always encourage people to go look at the block explorer to see, you know, what's there. Okay, there's there's one particularly popular coin right now. Uh, it's it's I'm not going to name names, but it's currently being traded on Binance, and it has its single non-team rich list wallet. I don't have any idea whose it is. Nobody else has any idea whose it is either. Has enough of this particular coin in it to wipe out every single Binance buy. Why not name the name? I mean, this is just a, maybe a public service. If it's factual. It, it, it might be factual, but there may be. I, I, I haven't researched it deeply enough to know exactly whether, I mean, this could be a large exchange cold wallet that they, I, like, it, there's other factors that could be there, and I don't want to, you okay, know, fair enough. crap on a project. No crapping. Unnecessarily. Um no crapping, yes. Uh, you know, or uh, some of the token projects, and this is really fun, is that you have some of these token projects that have a set max supply, but then when you actually go look at the smart contract um, or the token holders, you'll see that due to some error in programming or, you know, whatnot, there's, uh, you know, accounts that will have 500% of the max supply just sitting there. And uh, that you, you can only see this by actually looking at the block explorer and seeing what's going on. 
So the the third is uh, moderation. Okay, in this community, who are the people who are active and kind of figureheads? Okay, because if it's just a bunch of people talking and it's not really organized then you're going to have a hard time making any headway. But if there's three or four people that everyone else seems to f- you know, follow that you can approach and discuss things with and say, look, we have, a, we have an idea, we have a potential plan, this might be good for the entire community and the project as a whole, what do you think, what does the community think, you know, and get their feelings on it, that can, that can really have a really big impact. So it's a moderation slash leadership short, sort of thing. Uh, the fourth factor I would say is the basic economics of a structure. So one project that, that this is, this is amusing to me. One project that I was working on, uh, and in fact, am still in the process of rebooting when they initially launched, it was launched by some developers in September of 2017, I believe. And the whole idea behind it is it was going to be a high staking coin, right? So it was supposed to produce uh, a bunch of of new coins for whoever was holding their their wallet open to stake and secure the network. This particular project was supposed to be 950%, okay, which is stupid. That's just stupid to begin with, okay, Uh, because there's no way that you can have an economic structure that has built in hyperinflation that ends up being exponential that will be successful in the long term. If you could maybe cover that a little bit more in depth for our audience. Yeah, sure. Like some of the men under like high stake, what are you even, what are you even talking about? Okay. So, so, so there's, there's various ways to secure uh, a, a blockchain network, right? The way that most people are familiar with is proof of work. Okay. This is uh, basically the way that Bitcoin and a lot of other proof of work cryptocurrencies work mm-hmm. where you have, you know, machines that do calculations that you mining, right? Now, this the problem with this uh, in the eyes of some is that it is not environmentally friendly. It's tremendously resource intensive, right? It takes a lot of electricity. So uh, they developed another, uh, and this was, I forget, I forget which the, the what which first first project it was that launched it. But basically, it takes the idea of the proof of work, right? So in, in the proof of work system, the resource of scarcity in the network is computational power, hash power, right? So they take proof of stake where they make the resource of scarcity in the network actually the coins themselves. Okay, so by having a bunch of wallets open with a bunch of coins in these wallets, these wallets will all work together and verify transactions between one another. And it's it's difficult to uh, take control of the entire network unless you manage to control most of the coins anyway. This can get a lot more technical. I'm just going to leave it there for a second. But basically, uh, you can think of stake rewards as being sort of a percentage, typically is the way they talk about it, a percentage of your coins. If you keep your wallet staking, open for staking all year, that you will receive a certain percentage of your coins, uh, of additional coins. Okay. Now, most of these projects had fairly modest uh, rates of return, if you will, uh, you know, 5%, 10%, things like that. However, once people realized that they could do this, there were a few projects that popped up that said, well, we know that people like coins, so let's just give people lots and lots of coins. And so they um, basically created high staking coins, which are coin projects that have this 
unreasonably high rate of staking. So it usually has a super short block time, like 20, 30 seconds. Uh, and then new coins are just constantly being vomited out into the market. This is a terrible idea economically. Like it just doesn't work. Hyperinflation is not functional. But this this particular project, when I stepped into it, uh, it was supposed to be a 950% annual rate of coin emission. Okay. But they had messed up and it was not 950%. It was actually 320,000%. Oh, nice. A a smidge different, right? They must Uh, have been high whenever they were creating their high staking. I, they must've been, man. I don't, I don't even know who the original developers were. They bailed out of the project after like three months when I think they probably realized that this was not sustainable. Everyone else in the community was looking at their coins and seeing, you know, their balance increasing and thinking, oh, wow, this is great and fantastic. But nobody had ever actually bothered to look at the blockchain. So I went and looked at the blockchain in May and discovered this problem, and they were not very happy that I had discovered it. Um, but in the long run, we've uh, this we've rebooted this project, and everyone is happy, and we're making lots and lots of progress now. But uh, the basic economics there have to make sense. If you don't have uh, a a rational means to explain, you know, why you're creating more coins, how things work, how are they supposed to move, you know, what what is what are you using these basic, uh, you know, coins for, you know, what is the market? Are you just making new coins for the, you know, for funsies, if you will, which, which obviously doesn't work. So, you know, the basic economics of a project has to be, has to make sense. Otherwise it just is no good. The, the next one here is, is your, your due diligence. Okay. So this is where you need to, when you're looking at a project, Okay, when the project and this goes for ICO, this goes for if you're investing in a company, this goes for if a person asks you for a loan, this I mean, this is just basic life. Okay, if somebody makes a claim, you need to follow up on it. Okay, check up on these things, make sure that people are actually doing the things that they say. Uh, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you hold uh, accountable? So sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's really hard because a lot of times you don't have uh, you don't have a way to access some of these things that they're claiming. Okay, so if you have a, a project that has this, you know, beautiful white paper and roadmap that has all of these, you know, things on it, you need to be able to follow up and make sure that what they're actually doing what they say they're doing. So if they're if they're pushing if they say they're going to be pushing commits if they're going to be releasing new wallets they need to be doing that if they say that they have arranged uh you know some partnership or deal or something like that they need to be able to demonstrate that this has been a thing that's actually occurred um i at one point in time there was one ico that that i was uh i i saw that Basically, the guy had claimed to have partnerships with all of these big name companies. Okay, um, he had he had claimed to have partnerships with like Disney and with, uh, you know, HP and you know like Dell and like crazy stuff, right? And uh, so everyone do- dove into this ICO and you know really went into it super 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 heavy and then in the end what ended up happening is uh it was revealed that none of these things actually existed and that was very sad for everybody you know so so these things have to be followed up on 
you know, if, if at the very least there should be, you know, photographic evidence of people talking and doing things, um, if, cause I understand you can't always release, you know, documentation or, uh, you know, MOUs or depending on what, you know, the state of your technology is and things like that. But, you know, you need to, your community needs to be able to see that whatever it is that you're doing, whatever a project is doing is actually being done in a, you know, transparent fashion and in a way that really makes sense. And then the, the final thing here, and this isn't so much a, a category all by itself. It's just always be aware of red flags. Okay. If something pops up and you feel bad about it, like if something doesn't feel right to you, trust that instinct. Okay. Because especially in crypto, crypto is something that is built for all intents and purposes on hopes and dreams right now. Okay. There's tremendous, there's a tremendous amount of thought surrounding this topic, but there is, uh, very, very little of the tech has been brought to a level where it's enterprise level or can really be commercialized. So it's really basically just hopes and dreams at this point. Um, and you have to be very, very aware of that so that you don't uh, dive in too deeply. If something feels weird, if there's something that feels strange, trust the instinct, do more research, don't dive in. Use the force, Luke. <laughs> Always use the force. Always. always, always use the force. So, so you've been spending time and doing due diligence and finding different projects. And, and so do you think that this is like a new sort of business model that you're going to be building out with like this crypto rehab type stuff? Is this, are you, are you going to be doing multiple projects or are you guys just spending most of your time on this new project that you're working on? Well, so, so the way that I see this, uh, the way that I see this is a crypto project is kind of like having a kid, right? Um, when it's, when it's really little, it needs to be babysat constantly. Um, you really have to. Yes, yes, yes. Especially, I mean, this is this is absolutely critical. I mean, you make you make the crying noise, but I, this is super serious here um, because, especially when you start to come into these projects, these are people who have been abandoned. Okay, they had developers that they trusted that have vanished. Okay, and typically taken lots of money with them. Okay. And so when you first come into this project, I mean, with, with Volcano, the one that I've been discussing here, when I first came into the project, I received a ton of pushback from the community. There were a lot of people that were saying, oh, you don't have, you know, you, you don't have our best interests in mind. You don't, you know, our project is perfect as it is, you know, even though I'm showing them like, look, here's what happens if this continues, this, the economics of this don't work, you know, a ton of people were in the community, not really a ton. There's some, a few super vocal critics, put it that way. Um, and you have to, the only way that you can fix this, okay, is it's not by saying, oh, trust me, you know, you actually have to be there and do stuff. You have to be there with the community, weathering things with the community, showing them that you're there, that you're accountable, that you're willing to talk to them, that you're willing to answer questions. This is absolutely vital. Then as the community grows, okay, as you get things, you know, you relaunch a code base, you do a, a coin swap, you get it put on something that makes sense economically, you add some tech, you give it a business use case, and you begin building these things out. It goes from your job goes from being a 
somebody who's there all the time in the discord talking to people and making them feel better that you're actually there working on stuff to somebody who can step back a little bit and focus more on the business end of things, which, you know, you guys know that there's sometimes a a big difference between talking to people and actually getting things done. But the talking to people part has to come first because you have to help them understand that, look, you are working on this and then you step back and you get some stuff done and then you show them and you talk to them some more. Uh, because otherwise they will cry. You done. You don't want that because it's it's not fun. Yeah. So this is to answer your question, Travis. This is something that we are uh, working on doing right now. We're focused primarily on volcano, and that's are going to be our focus for a while. But there's a few other projects that we're also looking at to basically say in the future after we get this set up after we've finished uh with all the right now for volcano we're working on the the legal back end in singapore and europe for a foundation and for a business well let's let's talk about that for a moment let's let's talk about uh volcano it's uh spelled v-u-l-c-a-n-o dot i-o so when did this project come into fruition initially Mm-hmm. And what does it have to do with Taco Bell? Is it like a taco, like a sauce or something, like a burrito? <laughs> um, just for you, Travis. I, I know you. Okay. We, we, we've we've discussed Taco Bell before. <laughs> um, so so basically, like I said, Volcano what launched in uh, September of 2017. Okay, it was created by these developers. I have no idea who they are. I have no idea where they went. And it had this great community. Uh, it had this this wonderful, you know, community moderator. Her name's Nikita. She was, you know, a, a kind of like the mom of this this community. And uh, quite a few people were there and very involved in it at the beginning. Um, but then when the developers like vanished, nobody knows where they went. Um, there was just one guy who was sort of tangentially connected to them, and then a few other, you know, important members of the community. One of these members of the community approached me and they're like, hey, Bit, man, you got to check out this project. You you should you should buy into this project, right, is what they, they said to me. And so I looked at it and I, I saw that it was a high staking project, which always makes me feel very uneasy because it's kind of a ridiculous concept. And so I started looking at it and I'm like, holy crap, this is a hot mess. I mean, this is a disaster. I looked at the blockchain. I saw how miserable the supply situation was. Like it was, it was an absolute disaster. But then as I started looking at the community and talking to the community, I realized that the people that were there, right? All of these people were, were contributing, were doing things, you know, wanting to be part of this growing project, but they had been completely and utterly abandoned. Okay. And if I didn't step in and do something, they were all going to lose out. And I get really tired of crypto people saying that things can't be done in a business way. They can't be done, you know, quote unquote, correctly. So I decided that the best way to prove all of this wrong was to take Volcano, which was at that point in time, one of the, like, it was, it was terrible, right? To take that and turn it around and make it into something awesome. So I think I discovered it in May of uh, 2018, and I wrote a short paper on it, uh, posted it to my medium saying, oh my God, this is a disaster. This is why you're supposed to research altcoins. I published this, and I then began to think more and more about, you know, hey, I could come into this project and I could actually help these people. I could deliver value. I could make things better, and I could show people that, look... If we do stuff the right way, we can make good things happen. 
even with a project that that is is fundamentally broken. And so that's what we did. I, I assembled a, a team of people. We uh, talked to the community. We basically got community backing to come in and sort of uh, pick up where everyone else had left off. And we began to we re- relaunched Codebase. We changed the the fundamental technology of the coin rather than just being a high staking coin. It's now a masternode based coin, and we're actually using part of the the masternode block rewards to fund academic research into geothermal energy sustainability in general and seismic uh sensor development and we're starting starting from that point we've gone on we're building the business back end to it so that we can actually you know make deals and work in the real worlds quote unquote uh, a little bit more easily cuz Companies don't like signing deals with, you know, random community-driven crypto projects. Uh, so we're working on getting all of that set up. And I'm super proud of the community, and I'm very proud of how things have gone thus far. Because we took something that was dead, and we have literally brought it back to life. I'm super proud of it. She's dead, Jim. Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm just mostly dead. Right. right. No, it was, it was seriously ready for the Monty Python cart, but I was... Uh, I was ready. I was the guy that that pulled it off. And, you know, with my wonderful team of people, we've managed to turn it around. This, I mean, this is completely fascinating. You know, you are the Lazarus of crypto, um, bringing, bringing things back from the dead. Uh, and so like, maybe what are some final thoughts that you have about this whole, you know, resurrecting of cryptos and, and thoughts of the industry, you know, maybe before we wrap this up? So one of the things that is is really, really important to remember. And this is kind of going back to some business basics that I think that a lot of crypto has sort of missed out on over the years. And that is the idea that it's always easier to take care of your existing customers than it is to get new ones. Okay, so if you have, if you are a crypto project or you run a crypto project, the people who support you, your community are in, you know, every way they are, customers and you have to take care of them. And if you demonstrate to your customers that look, this is our this is what we're doing, we are serving your best interests, okay? Those customers will turn around and tell their friends. And word of market word of mouth marketing is the most powerful form of marketing that there is. Uh because people are willing to do things that, you know, their friends have been successful with. And so this is this is what's absolutely critical is that that if you remember this there's tremendous amounts of value out there. There's there's all of these amazing projects that have been started and abandoned or, you know, technologies that have been halfway developed. And these things are just ready to be picked up. They're community run. Nobody owns them. If you step up and demonstrate that you actually have value to contribute to the community, they will help you contribute that value and it makes things better for everybody and then we start cleaning crypto up so that it doesn't become you know it's not this like uh you know wretched den of of scum and villainy instead it becomes uh, a shining example of how we can use blockchain to make a positive impact in the world you know it really reminds me of the dot-com bust that took place right you know 1999 2000 and there was legitimate companies that had horrible business models and ended up uh, running out of money but savvy investors said you know what pets.com your model's not working online but we want your sock puppet 
Right, right, <laughs> right, know, right. They bought assets and some bought businesses and turned them, you know, into something legitimate and profitable. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity as we go forward for people who want to be vested in some of these projects that you really believe in. Um, if the company says it's over, it doesn't necessarily mean it's over. Exactly. So, Jason, we appreciate your uh, insights. The website, if you want to check out the project that uh, Jason and his team are attempting to resurrect Volcano with a V-U-L-C-A-N-O dot I-O. And uh, we'll be interested in watching this project progress. Awesome. Happy New Year, guys. Appreciate it. You know, it's so wild to see that we went from 1994 to the year 2000 in less than one year. (laughs) Yeah. Crypto moves fast, folks. <laughs> it does. It really, it really does. It really does. Put your seatbelts on. This is not over yet. I think we're going to see a lot of this in 2019, Travis. There's going to be projects that were good projects that because of the down market or any other number of reasons, you know, abandoned, uh, maybe somebody scummy, you know, was on the team, turned out to be a shyster, but the projects are good. And I think we're going to see some uh, smart people swoop in and say, you know what, this is worthy of salvaging. You know, I agree. I think that there's a lot of interesting projects out there that maybe did not get over the finish line that they were hoping. And, you know, people who come and do a little crypto rehab, you know, you got yourself a nice team. You know, what's really interesting, though, is that, you know, we're talking with Jason is that, you know, you got to make it worth your while because you can come in and, you know, you know, elevate and, and, and renovate some of these crypto projects. But if you don't have any tokens or enough tokens, then it's really you're not really doing anything for yourself. You're not going to you know, you're not going to you know help yourself too much. But those who maybe help build it that aren't doing anything, that are holding all the tokens, they'll be quite thankful that you went in and renovated it for them. So I guess yeah. if you're going to renovate a crypto project, make sure you're able to snag some tokens before you start doing that. Don't renovate, innovate. Yeah. But you could do both. And we appreciate you guys listening. As always, we want to hear from you. You know all the different ways that you could reach out to us. But if you want to see the links for this show, then go to badcode.in forward slash 225. That's two and a quarter for those of you that like to fractionize things. And make sure you take a moment to subscribe and review the show we really appreciate hearing from you if you write a funny review that just so happens to be five stars we'll even potentially give you a shout out on the show maybe potentially maybe not we really like them though yeah we do it, it warms the cockles of our heart mm-hmm. and now that we're getting back from the holiday season we're probably going to be getting back on our regular schedule Mr. Travis Wright likes when I say schedule instead of schedule. I really don't, but he does it anyway. And that's okay because I do things that annoy him too, which is good. You like, do. Like hitting the mic. He loves when I hit the mic and make little noises. He's a big fan of that. He likes when I like chew on ice. We just lost the other half of the audience. So. <laughs> he loves to want to pop my peas. He loves the peas to be popping. Pop, 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 pop. I like it oh. most, Travis Wright, when you just promise to stay bad. Who's bad? 
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.